A new year always gives us the chance to start again and try something new. We make goals and often find ourselves reflecting on what we did or didn't accomplish the year before. But what if your goal this year was to be the best version of yourself instead of focusing on achievements? Well, for my guest today, Broadway veteran and singer-songwriter Teron Brooks, this year isn't about what he wants to do, but who he wants to be. You're listening to We Need to Talk. So you Happy New Year. Welcome to a brand new season of We Need to Talk. Thank you to everyone who has supported the show over the last two and a half years. And if you are new here, welcome to the conversation. Each season has grown exponentially and I'm beyond grateful for this opportunity and who it has led me to. So as we get into this new year and start having these meaningful conversations again, I couldn't think of a better person to join me for the first episode than my unbelievably talented friend, Teron Brooks. Teron, thank you for being on the show. I'm so excited to talk to you, to actually talk to somebody in the new year since we've kind of re-isolated ourselves. It's really nice. I know, I know. It's crazy, but I'm I'm hoping that we'll get out of this soon. And I feel like I've been saying that for the last two years. It does feel that way. And and as I'm saying that, I all I hear myself saying, but what if it doesn't? Meaning not out of pandemic, but what if this is new, uh, the new way? Yeah. And I keep saying, we'll get out of it to get to what? Yeah. Hopefully something new, but maybe, maybe it's not. And maybe we're fooling ourselves. I don't know to, to, to think that we're going to get out of it. I don't even know. I think you just have to define what that Absolutely. means. Cause I'm sure what your, your definition probably just means, you know, into better things, Absolutely. into hopeful things, which I think we all want. Yeah. So. And it's, it's a new normal thing. But I also think when you go into a new year, like everyone always has hope, you know, that, oh, this year is going to be different. But even when you're looking at like success, your, your life, you know, making anything different, the new year always kind of ignites motivation for people. And even being mm-hmm. in this pandemic, I know that people are still excited. Okay, it's a new year. What are the plans I'm going to make? And you're just extra motivated. And I, and I feel that definitely. I definitely felt that going into this year. But I know like specifically for the industry that we work in, because the pandemic also hit us really, really hard, sometimes it was hard to stay motivated. It was hard to trust that things were going to keep moving forward. So for you, when a new year happens in general, but also just kind of in this new normal, you know, working through the pandemic, how have you managed to stay motivated each year and keep going and growing despite everything that's happening around us in the world? That's a good question. And I think this year I'm doing it different. I mean, you talk about resolutions and, you know, the way that we look at the beginning of the year with so much pressure, right? And the long list of things that we want to accomplish. And recently, because of the pandemic, I've seen the loss of control. Mm. Like I'm a control person, you know? And so it's not that I don't want to write down my goals. It's not that I don't want to write down the vision, but the angst, it's overwhelming to not know what's going to happen, right? right? So I'm learning to kind of rewrite the list of things that I want to do and more talk about what I want to be, mm. because I think what I want to be is controllable. <laughs> what I want to do, I, I don't know if I can do these goals. And I still have those written down. But this year, I approached it a little bit differently to who I want to be and, and what I'm becoming and those personal goals that I've seen through the pandemic me step into 
and I, I almost feel like it's just extended time. Mm-hmm. We want it to be done, yeah. but I feel like it, it might just be extended time for me to actually, when you learn a lesson, you have to have time to see if it sticks, yeah. right? You have to have time to see. Absolutely. And I think that w- that's maybe what we've forgotten. We've learned and we want to get out of it really quickly, but I think this extra time is actually giving all of us a chance to say, well, you learned something, but can you apply it? Yeah. Can you really apply it? Yeah. And I think, so I've changed the, what I'm going to do this year, focus to be what I want to be, you know, and, and, and Melinda for the first, it's only four days in, I've already activated some things, mm. hard and hard conversations because of my uh, intention. I think we, I th- you always want to set intentions. Absolutely. Um, but I, I wonder if the resolutions strip us up. Yeah, I don't for know. sure. I think I, we just get into this mindset that like, if you write down a resolution, you're like, okay, I have to figure out how I'm going to achieve that. But I think the mindset that you're falling into of, let me figure out who I'm going to be first. That's going to naturally create more opportunities for you because you're changing your mindset. You're changing how you approach things. And then you're just bringing that energy into, into your life and you're allowing blessings to come in. But if you're not focused on who you are as a person, then it doesn't matter like what blessings or whatever happens. Like you're not even going to know how to deal with it or even receive it in the right way. So I think that that is the right way to go. Absolutely. And I hope people listening take that to heart because I think that mindset shift is huge. Well, the, some of the reasons why we can't open doors or walk through doors that we want is because we're not the person that needs to walk through those doors. Yes. We spend so yes. much time uh, advancing and trying to get the key. How can we open the mm-hmm. door and walk through? That's great. What happens when you do, the door opens and you walk through and um, a mess walks yes. through <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? or, or disaster walks yeah. through, you know? I, I just think so. Reframing that, um, Melinda, I love what you said. I actually believe that more doors will open and more doors will close if I start becoming what I want to become, then the doors will find me that I actually need mm-hmm. to cons- to consider. So it's definitely a cutting down of some of the fat and trimming some of these things in our lives that are unnecessary to get to the real uh, heart of who we want to be and what we really want. I think we mask some things because of fear. Absolutely. Um, and sometimes you sit with yourself and say, hey, what do you really yeah. want? Yeah. Well, I think, and also just the industry that we work in, we're conditioned to think that what we want or should be striving for is fame, a certain amount of money, a certain amount of whatever. And we're never allowed to just kind of scale things back and be happy with that and accept it. You know, we are always told like, oh, well, if you, if you want to be a singer, then you want to be Beyonce or you want to be Michael Jackson. It's like, no, actually, (laughs) I think I'm okay being here. If I can make a living, support my family and do what I love with the gifts that God's given me, then I actually fulfill me. Yeah, the biggest lie is that there's only one way. Mm, 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 That's mm. the biggest lie. Yeah. If you so if you're sitting here trying to be successful and you're looking at one person or one thing and saying that's how they did it, the lie would be that that would be the only way possible. Yeah. It, it's just not. Yeah. You know? So when you look back over your life and your career trajectory, and we're talking about you know opportunities that maybe you felt you wanted, but for whatever reason you just didn't get it. Did you want to give up, or did you realize? you know what? I wasn't prepared for that opportunity and I wasn't supposed to have it at that time. Well, I think any artist, that's the story of our life. You know what I mean? Whether you're told no or whether you're not ready or whether you're rejected or whether you want to give up, it's it's a constant balance between the things that we actually do need to give up to receive what we really want. Mm -hmm. And then those things that you actually need to press through. I think that's the hardest thing for a soul, a creative soul to navigate. Should I keep going because this is not working? Uh, or should I stop? I'll give two examples. 
um, when I did Lion King on Broadway as my first Broadway show, I was told seven times no. Mm. And there was something internal that said, I can be a lion. This is ridiculous. I'm going, I, you know, I continue to go. I, that, that doesn't happen a lot, but I, I highlight that because sometimes you do need to pro, proceed and you do need to persist. Um, but to answer your question, I, I, what comes to mind is Hamilton. I auditioned for Hamilton a couple of times. It's the biggest, hottest thing on the planet. Um, and of course you want to be in it because you feel like opportunities are going to be handed to you and it's the best thing ever, the visibility, all these reasons, Absolutely. but internally I haven't, I hadn't resigned if I really wanted it to be in it for the right reasons. I knew I was supposed to, I knew it was an opportunity. Every black man, everybody was going every, you know, I knew I should, I knew I had to, but I hadn't resigned if this was really for me. Yeah. So on my birthday, I had a final call back. Um, and I'll say it cause I'm not embarrassed now, but it was my birthday and I was in front of the whole creative team and I did the rapping and I don't know if I was great. I don't know, but I wanted to get to the singing part. And so this is one-on-one do not do this on auditions. The one-on-one I was done with the portion of the audition and they said, thank you very much, but I hadn't sang the big song. And I was like, Oh, so you guys don't want to hear the song. I mean, and the words came out. You never do that. Yeah. The words came out so fast. I was like, because I was so insecure with yeah. what I did. And I was like, if I could just do the song. And they said, no, that's all. Thank you very much. I remember it was my birthday, leaving that auditioning and laughing for about 30 minutes after that, instead of condemning myself or being embarrassed, which I should have been embarrassed. It was ridiculous. But my fear just rose up at yeah. that moment. But it showed me that I wanted something too bad. Mm. Like I stepped out of myself. In, in my integrity and what I knew was right for, for what, you know? Yeah. And I realized now not being in Hamilton, of course, which is the wonderful thing. I have many friends in it. It's a, my favorite show. I love it. That wasn't for me because during mm. that time in Hamilton and that commitment that you have to be in, in Chicago or New York, wherever, if you're on tour, that long extended uh, uh, commitment, which would have been two years ago or a year ago, I have done so much uh, since personal development. Let's forget about, uh, accomplishments and achievements, yeah. but personal developments, personal growth. Um, I'm, I'm a producer now. I'm looking for projects that fit me, that, that extend beyond just getting a check every week. Um, and that's where I wanted to go anyway. So Hamilton would have been amazing. And I'm not even saying I don't want to do it or whatever, but in that period of time, that no, or that thing to me was significant to say it wasn't time or, check yourself. Yeah. Do you really want, do you really want this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So I think um, some of the no's, like I said, you have to decide if you need to be persistent or do you need to give up or change course? I'd, I'd say never give up, never, right. ever, ever, right, ever right. give up. But does it look at the, if it's a different road, should you turn left here or keep going straight? Yeah. yeah. So I think it's interesting that you bring up checking yourself because we work in an industry that is focused on self-interest and ego. And you and I have connected most importantly about our faith and our faith journey. But for you, what has been the most difficult part about being a person of faith working in this industry? Oh, that's, uh, the faith part is never difficult for me because I have a foundation of it. So I'll be honest, that's never a struggle about my beliefs and what I'm firmly planted in. Um, I think my responsibility is to struggle. What am I supposed to do with it when I'm in a per particular situation with people who maybe don't believe what I believe in or what, how am I supposed to hold myself and what is actually the mission and what is actually 
to Ron's desire, you know, or the real desire in my presence in the industry. Because personally, I don't think that I'm, uh, I was created just to hoard accolades or get applause for myself. I believe that I've been given these gifts to actually reveal and uplift and point to the creator. Mm -hmm. That's what I believe. Mm -hmm. So every opportunity I get, Melinda, I have to decide the challenging thing to answer your question is what's my job, Mm. you know? Mm. And if there is a job and is it, is it something I need to say? Is it something I need to do? Is it just showing up? Is it something that I don't need to say? Is it, you know, and um, always we talk about leading with love, but in, in recent times, I've learned that I have misread my responsibilities and, and got into a dangerous situation on assuming things that I thought I should as a faithful person. This is what I need to do. And this is my role. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the challenging thing for me to, to know that it could be no blatant assignment. It could be no real physical thing, but just my presence. It could be uh, just an encouraging word or something very small that I'm looking for this big moment. Why did I do this job? Don't you think we do that all the time? What's the lesson? What? Yeah. I think it's cool to be reflective. I'm over-reflective, you know, but sometimes it's not yeah. all that. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. sometimes it's a connection. You and I connected. I just met you. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, a couple months ago. Yeah. And I, what if it was just, I needed to meet you. I, who knows? So trying not to place too much value on my responsibility of faith um, and just being, uh, but also being in tune if there is something that I that I need to do. I think that's hard. It's lonely. Sometimes mm-hmm. you feel like you're the only one. You yes. feel like you're, you're different and you don't fit sometimes. Um, uh, and you're trying to balance being humble and being loving and not being so convicting and stuff. And, and, and I know like you and I agree, you don't want to be that person that's kind of um, stereotypical in faith, yeah. you know? Um, but in kind of following up with that, how does that translate then for your rejection? Because I know you talked about the Hamilton experience and it just moved on for the next opportunity for you. My mom always told me, no, it's just the next opportunity or, you know, a new opportunity. So how does that translate for you with how you deal with rejection and moving forward? Oh, well, I mean, Melinda, I try to face anything with humility because the hardest thing is to to lie to yourself. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's go to to the Hamilton situation. I might not have been good. Mm. I could easily say, oh, it's not for me. And I didn't, it, you know, they didn't, I could not have been good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, now I say that knowing that a lot of the jobs that I've gotten, I was not, my audition wasn't all that. You know what I'm saying? It was something else that someone saw in me. And so I always say that sometimes your worst audition is the ones you get called for yeah. the jobs you get. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you got to be careful with the, with how you look at how you present yourself and the job and uh, what's, what the expectation is on it. But, you know, to answer your question about rejection, um, I, I have to be honest, you know, now if I've done my best, I know, you know, your best. I mean, it doesn't mean you were amazing, but if you're like, man, I prepared and I did my best and you still didn't get it, then it might be easier to factor in some of the other things like, why didn't this happen? Or maybe this wasn't right for me or, um, you know, what the lesson is, but you know, I don't believe I'm trying to get out of disappoint being disappointed. Mm. I'm trying that, that word. Now, let me say, I feel disappointed a lot. I feel it. But if I trust in God and I trust, say, like this year, all these things from our calendars are being released, uh, uh, erased. But what about God's calendar? Mm. Like, what about all the things that he has that we cannot see, right? There's nobody's going to be able to disappoint me 
accept people, things, other, but God who holds my future. So this concept of being disappointed is where I, from rejection to disappointment, right? Yeah. I try to eliminate that. Go, okay. If I trust you, God, it doesn't mean I won't feel bad. It doesn't mean that I won't, God, this is a missed opportunity. I think I really wanted it. I'm not telling that we should deny those feelings, but uh, what ultimately gets me out of that is trusting that, you know, whatever it's going to be meant for me is it, I'm going to get, yeah. I'm going to receive. So the reject, we, we can control the rejection trajectory, how that looks. Yes. And we think we are victims of rejection or we're, we're victims of disappointment or we're victims of, we can correct that. Just like what you said with your mom saying, whatever she's mm-hmm. saying, you know, mm-hmm. that one door, whatever it is, those adages that we don't want to yeah. hear in the moment when we're hurt. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 yeah. We can control, we can control that and say, everything is in the line. Everything is perfect. When I go to auditions, I ain't trying to get a job. I look at an audition as an opportunity to share my gift. Mm. I love that. That's it. This is this is a day they get to hear yes. me perform, sing. I get to show them. And if it works out with their schedule and my schedule and God's schedule, we'll do it. If not, so there's really no uh, angst on it, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, in, in recent years. Absolutely. And you've obviously shared your gifts with many people because you've had an incredibly successful career. Whether you feel like you have or not, but you've been on Broadway, you've toured, you've done TV, you've done film. And... We know that in our industry there, you know, there is a lot of talk about age and not that I'm trying to age you, but there are a lot of views on age. And for you, how have you blocked out that kind of rhetoric and just lean into, you know, it's never too late for anything to happen in my life in terms of achieving your goals? Well, I think a couple of years ago, I had to look in the, I literally looked in the mirror and looked at myself. I looked at the gray hair. I looked at the loss of hair. I looked at the bags. I, you know what I mean? I really spent a good considerable amount of time looking in the mirror. And as an actor, sometimes we do that a lot, lot to prepare, mm-hmm. but we don't really look internally through the mirror. Uh, and I told myself, I go, I'm not going to let this, my face, the features, my body, my age, none of it. I'm not going to let that uh, define my destiny. Mm. And, and if I would, I would be naive to, to believe that I wouldn't be progressing, growing, getting older, getting whatever. And I really subscribe to the best is yet to come. Hmm. I tell myself the very best is yet to come. Hmm. And so if that means I'm 47 right now, if I really subscribe to that, I can't wait for 48. I can't wait for 50 because all of the knowledge and the things that I've learned and I've grown, I've worked on myself and I'm becoming to, to step through those doors. If it takes more years and more maturity to be better, I'm singing better than I've ever had. Mm-hmm. I eat better than I ever had right now. I'm in the physical top shape that I was in my thirties, literally. Um, it's a mental thing that we have to tell ourselves that the best is yet to come. Every time we wake up in the morning, we have that chance. And that helps me um, not continue to look in the past and try to say, oh, I did the temptation. So I'm trying to find something that's going to trump that to make me feel more significant. Mm. No, no, no. It's going to be a, it's going to be a different experience, a experience. And God is always conditioning us to go higher. Yeah. Always. Yeah. We're the ones that don't believe. Um, and I've seen too many quote unquote old people, <laughs> you know, do define things in their lives because they believe they could. And I lean on those people 
those legends, those people in our industry that that are still doing the Angela Bass, whatever you, they don't seem to get old, right? Mm -hmm. They keep getting better and better and opportunities seem to find them. And if we don't believe that our opportunities won't open and expand as we grow older, then this is an industry that we shouldn't really be in because it's the long, it's the long game that we're after. Yeah. You know, Um, you said something though, that, that struck me because I think that that's where a lot of people fall into that. If you achieve something that it has to top that the next thing that you do, and it doesn't have to, but also I think that we're blind to the fact that something may actually be bigger and better than what we just achieved, but it doesn't look like that in the, in terms of society. So I love that because it's very true. And now I'm like reflecting on a lot of things that I've done. I'm like, oh, I didn't think that that was a big thing. But then I look at just kind of like the domino effect of who I met, what it led me to. And like, that's the bigger picture. And that's something that we tend to forget. And I know that you gave me advice a while ago and, and I posted about it recently and it resonated with so many people. I truly had so many people message me like, oh my God, that's such a great idea. I'm going to do that. You told me to look at my resume without my name on it. And it was such an interesting thing for you to say because I was like, I've literally never heard anybody tell me that. And I did it. And it was so beyond eye-opening. And I really did feel overcome with how blessed I have been. (laughs) (laughs) You're so sweet. But it really was eye-opening. And I really do hope that more people do that exercise because it's easy to fall into this trap that you're not successful, that you're not doing what you're supposed to do. You're not where you're supposed to be on your age and all of that stuff. But it was really eye-opening, and I'm, I'm very grateful to you for sharing that with me. But for you, what when you've done that for yourself, what's something in your life that you accomplished, and when you reflect back on it, it kind of just takes you back, and you're truly amazed. Like, wow, like I was blessed with this opportunity. This is amazing. Um. It used to be one thing, you know, it used to be the temptations thing because my story, if most people know it, I went in there uh, with well-known actors. I mean, that was the first film I'd ever done. I had no resume. It was not going to happen for me. And to be chosen in for that um, many, many, many years ago set me up in many wonderful ways, but also in many debilitating ways as well, because I kind of was young and didn't and thought it would e- equal something or it meant something. Um, but what it really meant was that it, anything that was for me, that role was for me. Yeah. It was designed for Absolutely. me. Not that I was the best person or whatever, but no, nothing could have, it, it was, I couldn't have done anything wrong. It, it, it's just, I stepped into the moment. So that does define a lot of things for me. But when I look at my resume now, it's more of the variety I look at, uh, uh, I've always wanted to be able to to make choices and do different things and use all of my gifts and talents. And so when I take my name off of my resume and read this person and say all the different various things, maybe it's not premiere in each one, you know, or I'm fame, fame in each one, but to be able to have a life that's well-rounded and something that I've chosen because sometimes you feel obligated. And I think that's what happened to me in The Temptations I kind of felt obligated that I was going to be a movie star because I was in this movie. Yeah. And it was false. It was false. It wasn't true to the purpose of my life. It just presented itself in a way where I thought, I guess I should unwrap this. And it really hurt me many years when I was chasing after something because I got something, like you said, to match it when that wasn't the point Mm. of that specific thing. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I'm an encourager. And so anytime I can encourage people, if I have a book, if I have a podcast, if I've been on Broadway, if I've been on TV, if I can record music, if I can be a producer, see all of those hands, those fingers I get to use. And I think that's what stands out to me when I look on the resume, not necessarily what the thing is, but the fact that I've been able to be blessed in many ways, and at least to try it, right? Melinda, what if I don't like one of these things, right. how how many people can't even try one of those things? Yeah. They want to be on TV or they want to, I've gotten at least to know. So now in my old age, you know what I mean? I can make decisions because I've had, I've been on Broadway. If I don't ever be on Broadway again, I love it. It'd be great. But you did but it. I know, but you're right. So the gift of being able to taste certain things and try certain things in order to make those de- definite decisions that I have to make right now. I don't know if that's for me right now. If you don't have the menu, that's harder for people. Yeah. And I understand why people spend many, many years chasing after something because they haven't tasted yet. They taste it and they go, oh, I don't even like it. I've been fortunate to have a menu of things to taste. So I, when an opportunity comes up, I can say, is that for me now? Yeah. One of the things when I met you that struck me about you is how humble you are. And then as we, you know, got to know each other and then we really connected again, like on spirituality, I realized, oh, okay, now I get it. So how do you remain humble while still keeping up your work ethic and your drive for success? Um, I think for me, uh, you know, you never want to be over spiritual, but if, you know, you always speak your truth and I know that's what you do with your guests on the show mm-hmm. is the, I am so connected to the fact of the gift I really sit in the, I am overwhelmed every time I get to sing or perform or do anything. I'm so connected to the gift or the giver mm-hmm. that I, I can't find myself. I do I'm complete, completely. I could be egotistical and I have moments of ego all the time. So let me, let me reframe that, rephrase that. But it's hard for me to, I find more of God's gift than I find in my ability when I look at a lot of things that I've been able to do and when I approach work and the diligence and the humble makes me be on task, mm. make, makes me to continue to be on mission because it's not about myself. It's honoring, you know what I mean? Hopefully your daughter with everything you and your husband provides for her, she doesn't owe you, I mean, you know what I mean? But she would desire to give back to you in a certain kind of a way because what if she's received? Mm. That's kind of how I approach it. Mm. God, my father has given me these many blessings. What did I do to deserve it? Like, what did I really do to, to you know, that he decided that I could be a singer, that he would give me this voice or give me this talent or this ability or, or this heart? It's the gratitude um, that keeps me humble. I, I stay there because if not... I know myself. I will go down a heavy road of I, I'm not worthy. I'm not significant. I don't have. I don't have. And I wouldn't be able to look at anybody's resume, let alone mine, and see anything good if I didn't stay so grateful. Um, and I also know the power. I, I I don't know about you, but when I perform in power, it's different than performing in talent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's two different Absolutely. things. Absolutely. Absolutely. My power, my power is, is, is that faith source, that faith plug in, and I don't want to lose it. You know, um, I know it means more with it. So I think the humility comes from gratitude. Um, and also feet like really asking myself, am I on purpose? Mm. You know what I mean? Am I, am I on purpose? If I'm on purpose, it wouldn't matter if the goals, resolutions, dreams are necessarily fulfilled, 
And I don't have to look for those things to check off. If I stop and say, wait, like you said, we said earlier, check in, am I on purpose? And if I'm on purpose with my family, playing with my kids, whatever I'm supposed to do for the day and for the moment, it gives me uh, peace. Yeah. And speaking of your kids, being a father in, in, in the journey that you've had, being a performer, being in this industry, what lessons have you learned that you're imparting onto your children for whatever career trajectory they decide to take? Well, recently it's freedom. I'm trying to give my kids freedom um, without my limited mind, without my anxious heart, without without my expectations, without my uh, having them define me on what they do. I want (laughs) to give them freedom um, to love what they do, to try uh, different things, to go on a journey to find themselves um, and their relationship with, you know, God and and I think that's hard because I don't know if I was given that as a child. Mm. Um, in fact, I wasn't. I wasn't given that. There was there was confining boxes for me to really have to get out of to be who I am today. Um, and I, I get it. That was all love and family and, and anybody else's way of getting through parenting. Yeah, you know, because yeah. we know it's very, very, very difficult. You would never want to see your child going into danger or you want to stop something that, you know, but a lot of times you're stopping things that you are preventing from yourself. Mm. (laughs) And it's, it's not fair to do that on your child who can be a completely different individual, even though they come from you, they have a completely different, uh, path, uh, purpose, Mm -hmm. and we can't make our kids purpose, our purpose, you know? And so you go alongside them with freedom to, you know, even bump their heads if they have to, to find, the trueness of what they love and what they desire. So they won't have to spend hours and hours re uh, going back on things that mistakes they made because they felt pressured yeah. to become something that they're not. I think that's or, great. I think that's great. So we're in this new year now and your goal is to be who you're meant to be, to follow in your purpose, how God made you. So how are you planning to hold yourself accountable to stay in that attitude of gratitude. Love it. You have to tell people. Hmm. You have to tell people your plan. Hmm. You have to find, you, you will not be able, Melinda, I'm so glad you asked this. The reason why these resolutions and these things at the beginning of the years, they don't work is because they're secret. No one knows and we can change our mind and no one would ever know yeah. what those wow. things are. Yeah. Okay. You have to find uh, one, two, three, some people to sh- that won't judge you when you fall. It's not saying, here's my resolution and call me and make sure I'm doing it and get mad at me. No, 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 no. It's sharing with people that you care about, who care about you and, and, and having some accountability. It's not, you cannot have self-accountability. I don't believe in that. Hmm. I believe in reflection, trying to check in with yourself, but but you, we lie to ourselves all the time. We fool ourselves all the time. Yes. And if nobody else knows what that thing is. And for me being married almost 19 years, it's my wife. I have to tell her, this is what I'm working on. Will you help me if you see and give her permission with boundaries to kind of come in and, and, and check on me or will you help me or whatever. And I tell you this, knowing that people know it, it's more of a a responsibility, I think Mm. for me to go, okay, well, these people know, and I've given them permission. They're not strangers. They're not people that I'm going to be mad at when they come to me and say, Hey, Teron, are you, what's that? What's going on with that? Even if you've changed your mind, you can just say, Hey, talk to me. Uh, You said you wanted to do this. And I could say, yeah, I fell off. I'm not doing that no more. (laughs) You know what I mean? But getting it out of your heart and your mind and your journal 
to a real place of accountability with other people, I think that that is the secret to some success in doing some of the, these things that we want to do. Just find somebody else that may want to run with you, may want to eat well with you, maybe want to work yeah. out with you. Maybe they have the same kind of goals and you can kind of talk to each other and maybe they can shift and grow together in a very, very safe place. Yes. And that's the key. That's the key. Not to yeah. be afraid. Oh, not to be afraid. Not to be to afraid. Share not not to be afraid and not be afraid of your own self when you don't measure up and mm. you don't do those things. Yeah. And, and, and to be able to tell that accountability partner, partner, you know what? Oh, I'm not doing that anymore. Oh, I, I it's too, I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. Right. What about this? I'm not ready because the problem with us, we set these expectations and we never follow up with the people that we've shared it with. So they're holding us to that standard and we've moved on and you've never gone back and said, Oh no, yo, I'm not, I'm not doing that no more. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, or the chance to be, convicted or convinced is a better word that why aren't you doing that or what you know to be able to talk it out loud and say yeah i'm afraid (laughs) then someone else knows those things so it's definitely a vulnerable place but i'm in it and i've chosen my few people and because i've done that melinda in these four days i've already had hard conversations i've already done it because people know yeah that's what i'm working with my wife will see me in a mood and she'll know because I told her, yeah, and then I'll be able to express. Your thing is called we. What we is need it? to we talk. talk. Let's yep. talk. That's the biggest thing that we do not do. It's so simple, but we don't communicate. We we might talk, we might, but really just be like, you know, I messed up. I dropped the ball. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean this. I don't know. I'm frustrated. I'm mad. Talk. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. Sound advice. Well, Teron, you do so much. So can you let everyone know where they can follow you and purchase your music, your books, or just keep up with everything that you're doing? Well, Instagram, just Teron Brooks on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I actually write people back and talk to people. I love that. Um, You can go to amazon.com to get my book, Something Good on the Table. I'm writing a new book called Open. Um, I'm working on a lot of new music, but, um, and my website is teronbrooksofficial.com. You can go there and and check me out. But I do love to connect with people. And uh, and my podcast is called Honest Answers with Teron Brooks. And you can get that wherever you listen to podcasts. Amazing. Thank you so much. I wish you all the success this year, but we're obviously going to keep in touch because we've met now and we're friends and we're connected. I think you're doing some important work, Melinda. I just uh, uh, cherish our new friendship and I wish you the best as well. I think your authenticity really helps people see themselves in order to be successful in more ways than just uh, the tangible uh, achievement ways, but in the ways where you progress in your soul and your spirit. So Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. And to the listeners, thank you for your weekly support of We Need to Talk. Please make sure you like, share, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you're on Facebook, feel free to join the We Need to Talk discussion group as well. Thank you to Stephen James, our theme songwriter and producer. And we'll talk to you again next week. Remember, everything starts with a conversation.